Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostolic Kadi into your divine arms. And we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45-48. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And you, therefore, must be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. The name that our pastor gave to this sermon is called to perfection. We again are going to be immersed into our inheritance, which we have already heard about and have already accepted in the good soul of our heart by the person whom God has established over us, so that again and again we can be affirmed in this word. I will remind you that it is through the repetition of the truths that we hear that we can get renewed thinking. And it is faithfully important to stand watch of our sanctuary and to be vigilant in prayer that no foreign thought could penetrate into our thinking, to our heart. It is through the reminding of truths that God leads us into communication with Him that is planted in the garden, in the Eden of our heart, which is the wilderness of our heart, so that He can speak to us and give us from there our vineyards in the valley of Achor. And the next definition that Pastor gave us is a mystery. A mystery that has been uncovered in us. The mystery of our call to perfection. This promised commandment is the inheritance of all saints of times and generations. And this commandment is addressed 
by God to his disciples, and those that did not acknowledge over themselves the person that has been sent by God, have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment, nor can they have one. These words are a stumbling block for many Christian people because they try to understand these words with their own intellect. Therefore, the mystery is opened to his disciples, those that have humbled before the person whom God has sent, the living person. Christ himself had said that if you acknowledge people who were apostles before, but in your, then in your heart you are building a grave. Meaning, in other words, he was saying that in doing this, you are affirming that you are the children of those who have not accepted the prophets of the Lord in that time, did not accept the apostles and persecuted them. Therefore, only by accepting the person, the living person, whom God has established, we are able to practice the right in our heart and have a living faith. As God fulfills this perfection, in the same way God shines and sends His rain on the just and on the unjust, we are called to, with our Son, to shine and pour out His rain on the just and on the unjust. Job 37, verses 11 through 15. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his mercy. Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Having been holy, having been holy by nature, or rather separated from evil, we will not love the source of evil and also those that are sinners and carriers of this evil. Nowhere in scripture do we see that God loves the sinners. These are carnal creatures and emissaries of Satan that lie and say that God loves everyone. God does not love the sinner. He doesn't hear the prayer of a sinner. He loves a righteous man. Who is, what is a righteous man? It is a person born of God. When a person is laying, is suffering from sin, if he makes, if he commits a sin which he despises, this does not mean that he is a sinner. This means that a person is a captive of sin, and sin has a hold of him. And Christ had come to take away these chains. And those that want to, and he gives birth and gives people a new beginning. Therefore, God loves the righteous and hates the unjust. It is impossible to love evil abstractly. Evil is a program, and it is found in people who voluntarily, again, who voluntarily and intentionally have accepted it and have become its carriers. The majority of people who visit so-called churches, the majority of these people have the program of evil, or rather have only the outward appearance of godliness, and only some 
are the few, the, the small flock, who truly try to be rid of their old nature, which is inside of them, and to be clothed into the perfection of the Heavenly Father. Therefore, this word is in relation to them, the word called to perfection. The path leading us to perfection was presented to us by Pastor Arkady as an image of the path leading us to God as to our groom in the image of the path of Rebecca's path to Isaac. And we begin to look at the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb, whom Rebecca represents in the virtue of a lily of the valley, that we are called to look upon with the eyes of our heart or eyes of our faith, that we could form ourselves into an image of perfection inherent to our Heavenly Father. And for this purpose, Rebecca left her nation, her household, and her former life to follow Eliezer to Isaac, her groom. Eliezer is presented in Scripture as an image of the Holy Spirit that came down on the disciples of the Lord on the day of the Pentecost to bring the small flock to perfection in Christ Jesus. His name means God is help. The Holy Spirit is sent to us according to the intercession of Jesus as a helper. This means that we, that He will help us only when we are going to be able to select the will of God. If we select our own will, calling it the will of God, it is going to not be present. And it is our unclean spirit that will help us fulfill our own will, which we portray as the will of God. And once again, the Holy Spirit helps us only when we choose the will of God that is outlined in the boundaries of Scripture. We have noted that in our case, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is not a specific day, but a specific state of the heart in which we accept the Holy Spirit as a highly valued guest excuse me, not as a guest, but as Lord and ruler of our life, which will allow us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit on the conditions established in Scripture so that we could be led by the Holy Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. And an infant or a babe in Christ, accepting the Holy Spirit, cannot yet accept Him as Lord because His Lord and ruler is still his old nature and the one who rules over us is master over us until the old nature is abolished by the cross of the lord jesus our groom is going to reign or rule over us and we'll try to have a relationship with christ on the presence of a living old man this means to be an adulterer we need to die having immersed ourselves in the death of the lord jesus and we have noted that it is upon baptism in the Holy Spirit that we receive the unique and fateful opportunity to either accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life, to receive from Him and in Him power, to produce and conduct full separation, and full separation from our nation, from our household, and from our corrupt desires. So that in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, we could bring God the fruit of righteousness in the subject of a godly life, carrying within it the resurrection of Christ. 
or to accept the Holy Spirit as a valued guest and continue to remain dependent on our nation, our household, and our corrupt desires, rather to remain carnal. Those that have accepted the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of their life, they thank God that He is here, and they call upon Him to demonstrate His power. We come with Him upon this place. He is here. He is always present upon this place. He lives with us, but also at the same time remains with us because He is the omnipresent God. Beth, uh, Bethuel and Laban, who were the father and son, or father and son, um, they accepted Eleazar as a highly valued guest. The Holy Spirit came to him. They received his gifts. The gifts themselves do not testify that we are the children of God. Gifts testify of the mercy of God. Laban and Bethuel had received gifts for one reason, because Rebecca, Rebecca was in their house. She had departed from this house, from the house of her father. And it is for her that gifts were given to all in this house. That is why all that are called to God receive gifts of the Holy Spirit for one. For one bride of the Lamb. The church, as we remember, as pastor teaches us, is not always a bride, but the bride is always the church. The church is a congregation or gathering of people, and the bride is the chosen out of these people, a small flock of people who are a special part because they have allowed God, and I will highlight this, that they have allowed God to do something in themselves, and they had submitted to Him, having followed after Him. It is not God that predefines who is saved and who is not saved, but it is specifically man himself that defines and allows God to either save him or not. A person who is not taught how to accept the Holy Spirit as the ruler of his life can never bind himself to the Holy Spirit. And consequently, he can never be led by the Holy Spirit. Because of this, he will lose his title as son that is expressed in salvation. and he will lose hope in the future. Pastor has paid our attention on numerous occasions on the fact that according to, uh, according to Scripture, it is possible to speak in tongues and to not lack any gifts, but at the same time to remain carnal and to lack the Spirit and to go against everything that comes from the Spirit of God. Jude chapter 1, 18 through 21, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are essential persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Holy faith, again, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Praying in the Holy Spirit, in the original, if you remember, Pastor had explained that it is impossible to pray in the Holy Spirit, but it is possible to pray with the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, it continues to say, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. 
And so speaking in tongues and practicing gifts of the Spirit is a spiritual experience, but it does not make us holy and spiritual and does not change the character that we inherited from the vain life of our forefathers into the character of Christ. To change our character to the character of Christ, we need the truth about the cross of Christ that is contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, called to separate us from our nation, our household, and our carnal life. Without our cross, working with the cross of Christ, all of our religious deeds and our so-called evangelism is viewed by Scripture as lawlessness, for which a person will be thrown into darkness, where there will be cries and the gnashing of teeth. By what signs should we define that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not as forgery? And these signs that are called to be the fruit of righteousness or fruit of resurrection in our heart are called to be, again, the fruits of resurrection, yielding its fruit twelve times, bringing fruit each month. This is supposed to yield the kingdom of heaven in us. We are referring to the kingdom of heaven in us, for the tree of life is found in us, in our heart. The key that uncovers the path to the tree of life is presented in the divinity of the twelve pearly gates that express our being or our dwelling with Christ in his trials. A pearl is the result of the suffering of the mollusk. Suffering, it cannot on its own be delivered from this. Suffering, it covers itself with Our reaction, when we do not fulfill the desires of the old man and the enemy is constantly slandering us, he says, take a look at what is living in you. This battle is happening here, here, not somewhere, but here. This is where the battle itself is happening. Take a look at what is in you. You want destruction. Look, you are envious. What do we answer in this moment? This is not me. This is not me. I am not envy. I am against this envy. I am against the old nature which lives in me. And the old nature is not me. These are two different things. I am a new man who is born of God in whom there is no desire for sin, destruction, in whom there is no envy, who rejoices at the success of the neighbor. Of course, someone inside says, this is impossible. He looks at him and he says, well, this is simply impossible. But God did not say, tell man it was possible. He tells man, this is impossible, but it is possible for God. What did he mean by this? Because God was based not on the power of man, but his own word and the power of the Holy Spirit that is found in this word. Therefore, a person that has accepted in himself the word, in this word, is hidden his life. It is not in those manifestations that we feel, not the feelings of the sinful body, but the word that we have accepted from the word of the person, lips of the person,
статус должности. Да, тело греховное остается. Оно не может, но оно не может больше нам диктовать и управлять нами. The body can no longer dictate what we should do. A person makes a decision. Renewed mind says, I will no longer believe the old man or serve his desires. But you have dwelled with me in my trial, says Christ. And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me. Bestowed, bestowed to those people that dwell in trials, that don't agree with their old man, that constantly fight with him. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. We again are uh, here, are sitting at this table because we have this word that we hear and we're blessed. And furthermore, he says, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Luke chapter 22, verses 28 through 30. Meaning you will overcome your old man, you will sit on the throne because you have kept faith, the faith of your heart. It is for these sufferings that the old man brings upon us. This is the most difficult, as pastor says, the most difficult moment when this war happens inside of a person. When a person wars, not with somebody, he doesn't pay attention who has said what about him. He is fighting in himself and he is warring with him. I want one thing, but do another. I do not that which I want to do. What shall I do? Who will deliver me from this decaying body? Praise be to God. For with my mind I serve the law of God, but my flesh the law of sin and death. So we need a renewed mind. Considering that the function of Christ delegated by his messengers and the key that opens the path to the tree of life is dwelling in the trials with the messengers of God because it is the messengers of God that are subject to trials. They stand as the head of the flock and Satan hits them first. And then when we are dwell with them, and we dwell in the same trials that come upon them. And so the kingdom of heaven expressed in the inheritance of eternal life presented in the Eden of our heart bearing 12 fruits in each tree yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree which are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree, this is being a light. This is the fragrance of Christ that we are called to spread upon every place. It is this fragrance that is the light that is going to heal people and entice them. The 12 months of the sacred year where the tree of life gave its fruit each month are the fruits of resurrection that are yielded in the image of the feasts and celebrations that occurred during each month of the sacred year. As it is written, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, Hebrews 10.1. So all the principles are hidden from the eyes of others, hidden from the eyes of others, because all of these images can be uncovered and revealed only to the disciples. And it is these feasts, it is these feasts that are called to be the fruit. We are called not to celebrate the resurrection of Christ just one time a year, but our heart 
must be clothed into the fruit of resurrection, that this could be a continual state of resurrection. We ought to carry in ourselves this resurrection. Therefore, it does not matter when people celebrate on, on resurrection. A person himself is this feast because he has this resurrection in, in, his, in, in his essence. On numerous occasions, we have noted that the definition of the kingdom of heaven in the meaning sacred year contains and defines the order of the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, the sacred year in which the tree of life brings fruit from each of its twelve months is not bound to the three dimensions of time of a regular year that contains twelve months. God did not mean feasts, the feasts in time. In Hebrew, the meaning of the word year contains the greatness of the redemption of God spread for all eternity. And so the sacred year containing twelve sacred months should be seen in the dimension of the spirit that is yielded by the fourth dimension. The meaning of a sacred year which represents the image of the kingdom of heaven and does not only depend on time but rules over time. And all that the righteous will do, he will be successful in it because he rules over time. Because he began to be a part of this sacred year. I will remind you that we are continuing to study the fruit of our spirit and the fruit of the tree of life of the fourth month by the name Tammuz, which we are called to bring to God to answer to the standard of perfection that is inherent to our Heavenly Father. In Israel, on the seventeenth day of the fourth month Tammuz, a fast was observed in the memory of Moses breaking the tablets of the covenant law. In Israel, the days of the fast were a demonstration of sorrow in which a person had brought sorrow to his soul, and at that time, during prayer, he had suffered and sh- and he had shown the sorrow of his soul before God. But this wasn't true humility. This was an outer appearance of this humility. And for this to become a part of the new, something new, then man had to offer fruit of this fourth month, to become this fruit of the fourth month. In the fourth month, inhabitants of mountainous regions began to harvest wheat, and the maturation of the first grapes began, which coincided with the onset of the summer heat. So in practice, each feast was accompanied by some kind of harvest, or rather was the harvest of some kind of crop. And these two images, specifically, Esther mentions, this is not something that is given as like a historical event. This was the order, this was the feast. We are being shown the time, the time when a person is called to offer this fruit of the fourth month. So the signs of the time, which we can define in our heart, define and distinguish. We have noted that the image of the event of the 40th day as the days in which purification was made, which was marked by the breaking of the tablets of testimony. Again, Moses broke these tablets on the 40th day. This was the image of the teaching of Jesus Christ, destroying the teaching that we had that was against us, because the word of God that is engraved on the tablets of testimony represented Christ himself. So the tablets that God had engraved and written on Moses had destroyed them. For what? 
this whole action again is supposed to happen in our heart this is not that moses broke it one time yes these were images these were images and actions in the path that we are called to follow the path to perfection which we are called to produce in our hearts otherwise we will never be rid of sin however much we may speak about it our conscience will not be able to be cleansed of dead works because the law is always going to condemn us and what do we do in colossians it says in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands meaning in christ by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of christ buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Colossians 2, 11-15 This is what Christ did. This is also something that we are called to do. In the same manner, inside of ourselves, we must carry out a decree before the time of the judgment, the harvest, before the maturation of the grapes, when we condemn our old man. If a person does not bring fruit of the new fourth month expressed in the broken tablets of testimony that he in Christ Jesus with the law died to the law of Moses so that he can live for God and live according to God, then he is going to lose his salvation which he received in the format of a deposit. Here we see the action when we place the deposit of our salvation into circulation. Right through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Crucified means together with somebody. Not me alone, but together with somebody. It is a collaboration. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2, 19-20 in the broken tablets of testimony, we saw the result that occurs from the opposition of the confrontation of two glorious, great, powerful, and tectonic laws. This is the law that gives power to sin when we are found in infancy, and this is the law that deprives sin of this power when we exit or leave out of infancy. Both laws are individually divine, and together they represent the holy, eternal, and unchanging nature of God. However, before we, with the power of the law that gives power to sin, die for the power of sin so that we can live for God, it is necessary to be born from the seed of the word of truth. As it is written, of his own will, he had a strong desire, he had given birth to us with the word of truth, that we can be a kind of first fruit of his creation. The word that dwells in our heart. James chapter 1 verse 18. Only having been born from the seed of the word of truth, we stand before the opportunity and the need to, with the law, die to the law, so that we can live for God through crucifixion with Christ.
And so there exists a big difference between the seed of justification through which we are born of God and the fruit of this seed in which our justification brings the fruit of righteousness and uh, and brings the seal of righteousness. Remember how Pastor Daniel said, we baptize a person, uh, when he is baptized, he again is joyous, but uh, Danik is like, what, I feel sorrow, because right now he's going to find out. If he is going to be correctly found in the order, he's going to find out who is his old man, in fact. It is this thought that is contained here, that the law will discover this man in him, this old man, and he is going to be presented with a decision, either to be immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus and baptism to be separated, or to remain a carnal person who carries in himself great danger that is going to bring him to perdition. And the etymology of these transcendent words taken together, such as truth, justification, righteous, and righteousness, in Hebrew, they contain a multifaceted in semantics and meanings. Because these words are a revelation of who God is for us and what God has done for us and what we must do to inherit all that God has done for us. Righteousness is who God is in Christ Jesus. He is our righteousness, our holiness, law, covenant, justification, righteousness, lawful, fairness, commandment, statute, decree, court, justice, fairness. Consistency, duration, immutability, truthfulness, truth, wisdom, the light of life, honesty, sincerity, purity, Resurrection of life, freedom of Christ. This is that who God is for us in Christ Jesus. Justification is that which God has done for us in Christ Jesus. This is eternal redemption, ransom from the captivity of sin and death, abolition of guilt or not the imputation of sin, taken into the ownership and the law of God, Resurrection and resurrection from the dead. And now a righteous person, we are referring to our new man, not our old man, but our new man, who we are in Christ Jesus, how God views us. He views us as holy, pleasing, innocent, without blemish, honest, fair, free from oath, not bound by sin, dead to sin, alive for the truth. Being in the covenant with God, trusting and hoping in God, pleasant, finding favor with God, he who honors God with tithes and offerings, being in God and rejoicing in God, propagating the fragrance of Christ. And righteousness as an expression of this truth or this righteousness. This is again what we ought to do in order to inherit all that God imputes for us in His righteousness. Righteousness is hope and trust in God. It is faith in the fact that there is a God in those who seek Him. He rewards 
It is peace with God based on the covenant with God. It is consecration of one's dedication, observing the justice of God. The phenomenon of holiness in the performance of justice, the phenomenon of immutable joy, remaining in our assembly, offering to God a sacrifice of praise, honoring God with tithes and offerings, showing goodness in our faith. According to this multifunctional and multifaceted statements in defining righteousness, justification, we focused on the fact that Scripture views all of these terms as legitimate and legal exclusively in the format and the boundaries of the ministry of justification, which relates to the New Testament. So when the tablets are broken, if the format of Moses and the service of condemnation is founded on stone tablets and is written by God and was given to a sinful and lawless man, then in this manner it gave power to sin and condemned man to death. But after the breaking of the tablets in which a person received justification, new tablets of testimony that he himself had written on. They're written not by God, not by man. It gave a justified person the powers to be a minister of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, because the letter kills and the Spirit gives life. You see how a person is born from the Spirit, how he becomes spiritual when he is immersed in bricks in the death of Christ. He has given us the ability. He has given us the ability. Christ has given us the ability, made us sufficient as ministers of the New Covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written engraved on stones was glorious, but the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-11 through According to these words, God's righteousness, shown in the boundaries of grace, moved in the broken tablets of testimony and began representing a new heart in the new tablets of testimony, the law of spirit of life in Jesus Christ, the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Considering that righteousness is defined and finds itself in the holiness of truth, it was necessary for us to define the root of these two terms and what grows from this root. According to Scripture, righteousness is truth in action and all of the actions occur in the boundaries of holiness. Whereas holiness of truth defines the state of the heart of man, and righteousness is the expression of the state that is in the holiness of truth. 
the combination of holiness and truth reproduce themselves in righteousness. The same way a father reproduces himself in his son, or a seed reproduces itself in its fruit. And therefore, the authenticity of righteousness is always intended to be checked and to be verified by the source of its origin, or rather the root of the holiness of truth or the holy word of truth in scripture. In a certain format, and for some time now, we have studied certain characteristics of God's righteousness in the heart of a person, and we have noted an important detail, that the judgment of every righteousness of God revealed in the broken tablets and affirmed in the new tablets of testimony is eternal and unchanging becomes it because it comes from the truth of the word of god which by nature is the source root and foundation of the judgment of every righteousness the entirety of your word is truth and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever Psalms 119 verses 160. We have noted that when we are referring to the word of God that comes from the mouth of God and determines the eternal essence of God, this is truth and we must always know that first and foremost it is the holy truth that determines the inner state of the depths of God. Because God, according to his eternal unchanging and immeasurable natural essence is first and foremost always holy. Because of this, God's righteousness is first and foremost always holy, eternal, unchanging, and unconditional. The word holy, first and foremost, always refers to God and those who are born from God. So the new man has the nature of God. And the essence is in this, that God is forever departed from sin. And love of God is a holy love, and therefore it is selective. God cannot love that which according to its nature is not holy. His holy love is always proportionate to his holy hate toward evil and lawlessness. He unconditionally loves all that which is holy in origin, and he unconditionally hates all of that which is lawless in origin. This means that our new man that is born of God, these are his characteristics. These are his characteristics. And our choice is who we give our thoughts to, our words, our judgments. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness or wickedness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Psalms 45 verse 8. Furthermore, we have noted that righteousness and lawlessness are two programs that oppose one another. If they are not in a device, which is a person or an angel, these programs cannot manifest themselves. 
God initially loved his holy righteousness, people and angels, and initially hated lawlessness and people and angels, along with people and angels themselves. Therefore, the carriers of lawlessness, angels who did not maintain their virtue, and people who did not love the truth and defile the sanctuary of their spirit, are the vessel of his scorching and all incinerating anger. They left their congregation. Again, therefore, they are the vessel of his anger. Whereas the carriers of his holy righteousness who have kept themselves from being involved in wickedness and have obtained victory over death, these, they are the vessels of his mercy. As it is written, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Romans chapter 9, 22-24. So the purpose of righteousness in our heart that we have accepted in the broken tablets and have affirmed in the new tablets, they are called to give God the opportunity to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. This is what we gain by offering the fruit of this fourth month, the moose. There God leads us so that we can be the heirs of the peace of God. We are talking about perfection, called to perfection, that we can receive this peace, not through the law like Abraham and his seed, but through the righteousness of faith. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Heirs of peace in the heart of a person are the riches that contain all the promises of God that yield the purpose of righteousness or the goals of righteousness. Righteousness strives to grasp this treasury. Thus, it is the righteousness of God through the peace of God that can and is called to guard our hearts and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 to better understand the nature of the peace of God its purpose and conditions that are necessary to be clothed into this peace it will be necessary for us to answer four classic questions first this is the nature that the peace of God has Second, the purpose of peace in our relationship with God. Third, the price for the right to be clothed in the peace of God. And fourth, 
signs of peace in the sons of peace. If a person has not died to his nation, his household, and his corrupt desires, then the justification that he accepted in salvation through faith in Christ Jesus will never transform into the quality of righteousness in which he would be able to bring and offer fruit of peace. And therefore, these people will lose the promise that gives them the right to be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. We have noted that the phrase, shall be called the sons of God, speaks of the reward that is contained in the virtue and property of the name of the Son of God. The property of the peace of God in the heart of a person testifies that he is a son of peace, which gives God the opportunity to give this kind of a person the name of the virtue of the Son of God. that he can share with him the fulfillment of all that is written about him in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. How stunning, a stunning promise. Because the justification that a person received by the right of his birth from the seed of the word of truth was transformed into a quality of righteousness in which he became able to bring fruit of peace in his relationship with God and all of his surroundings. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue, meaning that this is an effort that is involved. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We are referring to a kind of peace that can be created only in the boundaries of holiness or be an expression of holiness, the limits of which are yielded by the commandments of God. And so, the peace that we demonstrate that is outside of the limits of holiness and is not an expression of holiness is in fact lawlessness, for which we must pay the price of eternal life. It is impossible into crime to have peace with the wicked who had accepted the truth at some point, but then left their assembly and turned away from the holy commandments. Peacemakers are the sons of peace. Because of this, to create the peace of God and be its carrier and therefore pass it along to those who are like it could only be done by the sons of peace. Luke chapter 10, verses 5-6 through 6. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Even if we are going to direct this peace to the person that is not the Son of Peace, then this peace will return to us. It will not be able to abide on this person. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from them, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Surely I say to you, it will, Christ says, it will be more terrible for Sodom and Gomorrah in the Day of Judgment than for that city. Mark chapter 6, verse 11. With the greeting of peace, we are called to define the sons of peace, because the greeting of peace represents the order of the kingdom of heaven that abides in the sons of peace and the virtue of the godly theocracy, yielding the authority of God and the right of God to establish this order.
Those who call themselves saved but do not regard order that is expressed in theocracy and established by God in His kingdom, which on earth is the Church of Jesus Christ in the face of the blood of the Lamb, these are people who through their lawlessness create, through their demo democratic liberal values, they create division, not peace. And these kind of people cannot be called the sons of God and therefore cannot be called sons of peace. With whatever reasons people may justify themselves to clear their conscience, these are sons of lawlessness. Whatever garments they may be clothed in to justify their lawlessness, the fact of their rebellion towards the words of the messengers of God who have been placed over them testifies of the peace they have lost and refers them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. You see, their words before God are going to be none other than mire and dirt. During our previous services, we looked at the essence of the first question, the nature that the peace of God has, and today we will turn to the second classic question. What purposes are the powers of God's peace intended to fulfill in the relationship between man and God when we keep our thoughts in Christ Jesus? So when, he, when we keep our thoughts in Christ Jesus, or what role is the peace of God that is delegated by God to sons of peace intended to fulfill in the face of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the messenger of peace and the prince of peace? First, the first purpose of the peace of God in the face of Jesus Christ through us maintaining our thinking in Christ Jesus and practicing righteousness is intended to participate in reconciliation with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18-20 through 20. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, as committed to us, the word of reconciliation. Those that have brought the fruit of the fourth month, those that have become righteous before God, and therefore, now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. Second Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. The service of reconciliation is the fruit of the service of justification. The process of a person being reconciled with God is supposed to begin from our renewed thinking. Through his renewed thinking, a person receives the ability to be clothed in the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth. And here is that place, that place of scripture that lays at the foundation of our Friday topics. We are studying it on Fridays, and this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt. This is, these words are to someone that has been born already of God. 
the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the speed of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. People who have reconciled themselves with God through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ are called sons of peace. And when the sons of peace in the face of apostles are delegated and sent by God with sermons about reconciliation with God, they are called messengers of peace. You remember that the peace of God can be accepted only through a person who represents this peace who has been sent by God. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19-23. The second purpose of the peace of God in the face of Jesus Christ through us, maintaining our thinking in Christ Jesus is intended to, from two nations in the face of Israel and the Gentiles, to create one new man in Christ Jesus, thus building peace. For he himself, or rather Christ, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Ask any kind of a person who 20, 30, 40 years has been Christian. Ask about this teaching, this place of scripture. Can he define what kind of teaching this is? He will be far off, and he will be astonished by what you are going to say. The law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Ephesians 2, 14-15 The thing is, is that God has made His eternal and unchanging covenant not with the Gentiles, but with Israel, to whom by virtue of right belongs glory and the adoption. And to disperse His covenant on the Gentiles, it was necessary for God to unite them into one man, in one person in the face of His Son. This, you remember who the Son of God is in this case. Only in this manner can God give His peace to the people of Israel. Israel cannot receive this peace without the Gentiles, without us, and we can't receive it without them. The Israel nation had received this peace as a deposit, and in order to receive peace as a belonging, they had to accept the Gentiles. This is what Scripture says about this, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, Apostle Paul writes, For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. 
of whom were the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Here is the key word. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Romans chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. Isaac is an image of Jesus Christ, anointed by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of Abraham, according to the promise of God, to be, could become the father of many nations, so that through Jesus Christ, the lawful descendant of the lineage of Abraham, can disperse the salvation of God on all nations and in this manner to unite them with himself into one man. In one new man. Therefore, anyone who considered himself saved but at the same time has a dislike toward nations of Semitic origin or if they even uphold people who have this dislike, they will be cursed and they cannot inherit salvation. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. As soon as a person begins to think that the Jews are responsible for all things, he already calls upon himself a curse, and this kind of a person cannot be a child of God. It is the children of God that according to their spirit are Jews. They are foreigners. A Jew is a foreigner who does not have a homeland here because his homeland is in heaven. The promise given to Abraham belongs to and has powers for all descendants of Abraham by their faith in Jesus Christ and through their faith in Jesus Christ for the Jews and the Greeks because in Christ there are no Jews or Greeks. And for this promise to gain power in our life it is necessary to submit to God and allow the Holy Spirit to judge our Egypt and bring us out of the Egypt of our soul, rather to leave a carnal state. And uh, the prophecy of Balaam about Israel, about the warriors of prayer. He says, God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who will rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Numbers chapter 24, verses 8 through 9. The third purpose of the peace of God in the face of Jesus Christ, through us maintaining our thinking in Christ Jesus, is intended to contrite Satan under the feet of the sons of peace, the cooperation of man with the peace of God. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Romans 16.20 God is not going to contrite Satan or crush Satan in those hearts where there is no peace of God. A person must make with God peace. And peace is made only after a person leaves his nation, his household, and his corrupt desires. Therefore, it is impossible to crush Satan in our personal life and in the boundaries of our calling without having the peace of God in our thinking and our heart. Manifestations of jealousy, outrage, and disobedience that are disguised as truth, this is a testimony of the lack of the peace of God in the heart. And every religious deed done while in this state is a lie first and foremost to the person himself. With this lie again, he first is lying to himself. We should focus our attention to one important detail. Specifically, a person who is reconciled to God by the death of Jesus Christ will receive the authority to work with God to contrite Satan, not over his own head, but under his feet. Today we have big congregations of Christians that are seduced by demonic spirits who are disguised as angels of light. The leaders of such false Christian congregations are led to crush Satan over their heads instead of crushing Satan under their feet on the earth. Christ prays in the prayer, Our Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Blessed are you by the Lord who has created heaven and earth, the heavens are heavens of the Lord, but the earth he gave to the sons of man. Psalms 113, verses 23-24 How can we bind Satan under our feet? There is a method that pastor continually says. This is to bridle our lips. When I bind my lips, when I say only that which I have heard from my father, and that which is found in Scripture, and not that which the flesh is telling me, or that which I am seeing with my own eyes, then Satan is going to be bound. Fourth, the fourth purpose of the peace of God in the face of Jesus Christ, through us maintaining our thinking in Christ Jesus, is intended to rule only in the hearts of the sons of peace, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. The meaning of the phrase, let the peace of God rule, which God created and with which he upholds heaven and earth, place dependent on our decision to allow the peace of God to rule in our relationship with God as well as with one another. We must understand that the peace of God is limited to the hearts of people who are sons of peace and have the kingdom of heaven in their hearts. Therefore, 
From these words we can conclude that the rule of peace in our hearts is a conscience and daily decision in the fulfilling of the feet of faith comprised of understanding one another and our infirmities and forgiving one another as God forgave us in Christ Jesus. Friendship and our relationship with sons of peace allows the peace of God to rule in our hearts. If friendship expressed in peace and yielded by the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh will be avoided, then we, according to the words of Christ, must betray such people, shake off the dust that clings to our feet, and to sever all relations with such people. And Jesus said to his disciples, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And if someone does not accept you and does not listen to you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust until under your feet is a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Mark chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. If we refuse to fulfill these commandments and we maintain a peaceful relationship with people, who reject our peace and the teaching of Jesus Christ, and when God comes to us, we will need to share in the fate not with the sons of peace, but with the somber fate with the sons of resistance. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And pastor shows the idea here is he who does not gather with the messengers of God, he is against them. The fifth, fifth purpose of the peace of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the maintaining of our thinking in Christ Jesus, is intended to enrich us with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are talking about the purpose of righteousness, that which it strives to have in the peace of God. Romans 15:13. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peace with God is always given through the power of the Holy Spirit in faith and joy, thanks to which we are filled with hope. Hope is that inheritance in Christ Jesus which God has placed on our account with percentages, thanks to which our inheritance of peace that belongs to us through Christ Jesus can be multiplied. A percent is not, a percent is a certain divine measure that does not have a limit. This is for us to understand it more. Pastor says percentages. And so the place of Scripture that proves this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Again, percents here. 
upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And our time is coming to an end. We have two more purposes of the peace of God. I think that which we have heard today is going to be enough. And if God allows in our future services, we will move on to the price, the price that we are going to need to pay in order to gain this peace which God has given to us through his messenger. Amen. Let us pray and thank God for that word that we had today. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for that word that we were able to hear today on this place that your hand has outlined according to your great mercy and according to your great goodness. You continue to teach us and affirm us in your word, opening new and new limits of your legislation, which is called your fear in order to make us rich in faith, that we can have the treasure of your peace that can keep us from the authority of hell and hold us back from our corrupt desires. You help us reject our nation, the house of our Father, and to reject our life, that we, under your commandments, could gain it again in a new format and in a new quality. You give us victory over our essence when we look not at the visible but the invisible and when we call the inexistent as existent. May your mercy and grace be magnified in our hearts because we have chosen your peace as our treasure. We have inclined our ear in order to hear and to fulfill the word that we have heard. May your inheritance be blessed. May you keep us from that satanic storm that today howls all around us. We thank you that despite this storm of all kinds of information, we are taught to hear only your voice. And we are listening to the voice of the person whom you have sent in our life. We have made ourselves deaf to every voice that comes from the flesh, which replaces truth with lies, which relies on the fleshly intellect. We have made ourselves deaf to your, to all kinds of false information that comes from this world, 
that tries to violate the peace that we have gained in Christ Jesus. We, with joy and with hope and patience, wait for when you are going to fulfill the calling and when you will reign in our bodies, when our bodies are going to be delivered by the law of the Spirit of life from the law of sin and death, when you, at the door of hope, will give to us our vineyards in the valley of Achor, when all of our enemies are going to be destroyed and we are going to be able to serve you, fulfilling your will. You have spoken this word and you, Lord, will fulfill it because you have magnified this word in the temple of our body, which has become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies is your belonging and hallowed unto you. The earth is the Lord's and all that fills it. You, through Jesus Christ, have redeemed our soul, our spirit, and our bodies. We thank you for your divine order, for all the ministers that you have appointed according to your great mercy. We thank you for our pastor Daniel, for the cell groups, for the ushers, for the musicians, for the singers, for the warriors of prayer. And especially, Lord, we pray for our dear Apostle Arkady. We know that our temporary separation will lead to greater joy upon our meeting when we will be able to be comforted by our mutual faith and be affirmed in the word and instruction that you, Lord, have prepared for the Church. We worship before you and magnify your name, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And in conclusion of our service, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us, us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.